so we learn about the chemistry of the water as a way to understand how the river's healthy. And then there are two other categories. So microbiology is one thing that we study a lot here at Stroud, and that's to understand the pathogens that are in the system and also the healthy bacteria which are creating good habitat for fish, invertebrates, etc. And then finally, understanding the fluvial geomorphology. In other words, are the banks eroding? Is there sediment pollution? What's creating a degradation in the stream? What can we do to fix it? And how can we assess and find out whether a river is healthy? Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. Welcome to this episode of Fly Fishing 97. My pleasure to have on the program Dr. Scott Ensign. Scott's the Assistant Director and Research Scientist at Stroud Water Research Center. Scott, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about your research center, but maybe um, for those that may not have, um, tell us a little bit about Stroud. Yeah, sure. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're 51 years old, and we specialize in freshwater research, education, and watershed restoration. So that means that we have a staff here of about 50 folks. Between those three programs of research, education, and watershed restoration, and we're really trying to understand the the way that freshwater ecosystems work, what the impairments in terms of the health of those systems are, and work towards solutions that involve both education of the public and conservation and restoration applications that help protect freshwater. Mm. So I'm, I'm sure that interests a lot of listeners to our podcast as far as fly fishing. I think you've got a lot of conservationists uh, in your corner. Tell us a little bit about some of the projects that you guys are working on, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So I'll start with our research program. We've, again, been doing research here in Pennsylvania and around the world since 1967. And so uh, over the our history, we've assembled a really top-notch, uh, world-class scientific team. And so we have a number of different PhD-level scientists who are leading different efforts uh, on freshwater research, both here in Pennsylvania, in our northeast region, and around the world. So I'll tell you a little summary of that, those research programs. So probably of most interest to the listeners of the podcast, we have an entomology group uh, that is doing both basic and applied research to understand aquatic invertebrate communities, how they function, what makes them healthy, and what impairments degrade habitat for freshwater invertebrates. Mm. So that's kind of our, our longest-running program here at Stroud. Scott, is that is that something you do strictly in the Pennsylvania area, or is there certain you know ecosystems that you're focused on? No, we uh, we do a lot of work here in Pennsylvania, m- mostly because we have a world class, high quality resource of water running past our back door, the White Clay Creek, and so historically we've done a lot of fundamental research on this stream to understand how 
freshwater ecosystems work more generally. But we're working around the world. We have a biological research station in Costa Rica, the Maritza Biological Station in the northwest part of the country. And we've been doing research down there for several decades on aquatic invertebrates. And we're also working with folks around the world. In fact, we have an initiative that some of your listeners might be interested in. It's a uh, it's a way to monitor and understand the invertebrates that are in streams and how to evaluate the health of a stream based on what invertebrates are there. And your listeners probably know a lot about that. But we have a program called the Leaf Pack Network, and it's been going on now for several decades. People around the world are taking part in this, and it's a community of users. So we're sharing the data and what people are learning around the world. Wow, that 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 strikes a chord with me for sure, and and I'm sure a lot of listeners. So I don't want to jump too far into this, but 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 how how do you assess, you know, the the vitality of a river system? Is it is there a simple, um, you know, checks and balances that you can kind of just go down a list? Well, it depends on what specifically you're looking at for uh, aquatic invertebrates. They're a very powerful tool, as you well know to determine whether a water is healthy or not. So our entomology group focuses on using aquatic invertebrates. But we have other ways to measure the health of rivers. For example, the biogeochemistry of the river. So what toxic pollutants are in the river, uh, such uh, and other contaminants such as nitrogen, phosphorus. So we learn about the chemistry of the water as a way to understand how the river's healthy. And then there are two other categories. So microbiology is one thing that we study a lot here at Stroud, and that's to understand the pathogens that are in the system and also the healthy bacteria, which are creating good habitat for fish, invertebrates, etc. And then finally, understanding the fluvial geomorphology. In other words, are the banks eroding? Is there sediment pollution? What's creating a degradation in the stream? What can we do to fix it? And how can we assess and find out whether a river is healthy by by knowing how the sediment moves through the river? Right. Well, yeah, it sounds like there's lots of markers for that. How, how much of what you do at Stroud, Scott, is kind of the education aspect? Great question, Mark. It's a really important part of our mission, uh, and we educate about 7,000 students a year, um, kind of in the high school to, to uh, lower grade levels in our programs in-house. And it's an incredibly important way for us to translate what we learn scientifically into the education programs that young students are learning. So we do that not only at the high school level, but at the college level, and, and really citizens in general. So we take our research and we turn it into to knowledge that people can use in their everyday lives, and making decisions about their land development uh, within their region, and uh, working with landowners such as farmers. It's a large part of what we do is we educate farmers about how they can change land management practices to improve water quality. Some of that's really simple stuff that your listeners will recognize right off the bat. It's about keeping, in some cases, streams cool. It's better habitat if you can keep shaded streams by planting trees. So much of what we do 
in our programs of both education and watershed restoration is plant trees. It makes sense. Mm. It won't be a surprise to any of your listeners. Well, like, <laughs> just from a fly fishing point of view, I, I definitely try to uh, throw the odd dry fly underneath any type of cover because that seems to be where they're at. Um, just talking about... Um, watershed restoration. Maybe we can jump into that. What kind of projects do you have on the go at Stroud regarding that, Scott? Well, one of the important ones that I just mentioned is working with um, landowners who have a stream on their property or municipalities who have streams that, that have been degraded over time. One of the first things that we can do to help those streams is to plant riparian buffers. And those do a couple of things, as we just talked about. They shade the stream they keep the water temperature cool. They also filter out a certain amount of nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment that would get into the stream. So that helps the stream. Some of the other ways we work with farmers is for row crop agriculture, there are better management practices that farmers can use. And we have programs to help them convert their row crop agriculture into no-till practices, we help them find programs to do cover cropping, and both no-till and cover cropping help reduce sediment uh, runoff into streams, which protects the stream, and it also allows more infiltration of water, so we re reduce the flashy hydrology that can disrupt streams. So those are activities that we work with landowners, farmers, municipalities, and in all cases, it's we're working towards improving the stream, and many of these situations where we work with landowners actually is better for their bottom line as well. So we have many local uh, farmers and participants who are finding value in their own bottom line through these better management practices. I would imagine that uh, that would be a challenge as far as conservation, dealing with um, whether it's publicly owned land or privately owned land. There's there's a lot of, uh, you know, eyes and I's you got a dot and T's you got a cross, I would imagine. That's exactly right. And you teed that up just perfectly, Mark, because one of the things that our watershed restoration group is very skilled at is matching farmers and landowners with federal and regional sources of money that can improve their land management practices. Hmm. So this is about our staff knowing exactly how to access those uh, those resources and matching and aligning the landowner with the resource. And like you said, there's a lot of red tape that you have to, to uh, go through to move that, those resources to the person that can put the programs in place. And that's one of the things that our staff is very good at. We know the resources and we know how to move, connect the landowner with those resources. If we've got some farmers, some landowners listening to the podcast today that says, hey, that, that, that's something I'd like to get involved with, how, how do they start the ball rolling? Well, if they're in our region, if they're in the, uh, the northeastern United States, um, they can uh, contact us directly. You can reach out to uh, on our webpage. If you go to our restoration webpage, you'll find uh, ways to access. Just connect with us. Uh, and there's information on our webpage as well about some of the projects that we're involved in specifically. But um, in most cases, we're happy to we're happy to have emails and, and answer phone calls. So just reaching out is probably the best way. We're chatting today with Dr. Scott Ensign, research scientist at Stroud Water Research Center out of Pennsylvania. Scott, I'm curious, big picture, how, how did Stroud get started back in the day? 
it's a great story that actually begins with kind of the advent of modern water conservation. So our founding scientist, Dr. Ruth Patrick, was investigating streams throughout the United States to understand uh, if they were healthy and how they were, if they weren't healthy, what was wrong with them. And this was happening in the 1950s and 60s when appreciation for streams and stream water quality was just beginning. So this was a really exciting time when people were turning to streams and, and understanding what made them polluted and starting to look out for ways to help them. And so that's how Stroud Water Research Center started, was initial research by Dr. Ruth Patrick here in Pennsylvania. And the interesting part about why we exist here, where we do in southeastern Pennsylvania, is that right outside our back door is a high-quality resource water. It's a trout stream. And she had been studying polluted streams, and there were lots of them back in the, in the 50s and 60s. She needed a high-quality resource water to study. So she came here to study a very healthy stream in order to better understand how unhealthy streams could be fixed, could be solved. And so from the 1970s through the present, in the United States, we've made incredible progress on many fronts in terms of understanding what's wrong with streams and pollutants and how to fix them. And a lot of that research started right here at the Stroud Water Research Center in terms of understanding the, the basic systems of how a stream works, the invertebrate communities, the water quality, the algae, putting all those pieces together to understand how we could fix streams elsewhere. Yeah, that's awesome. I can only, I, I can't even actually begin to imagine the amount of resources and just expertise uh, an organization like Stroud has. Yeah, we've we've grown a lot over the years in terms of both our edu- our, uh, our research base. Uh, so we now have seven PhD uh, scientists who are studying all aspects of streams holistically. We're working together. We're working with many organizations in the United States and globally to do research. And as we talked about, we've built on that knowledge. We've built our, our education program and then extended it to actually how to fix things. And that's what our watershed restoration group does. Scott, can I take this down to kind of a personal level? How did you um, get involved with Stroud? And, and tell me a little bit about how you came to, uh, to be there. Sure. Um, my background is in river ecosystem ecology. So uh, looking at the flux of nitrogen, phosphorus, pollutants through rivers and what that means in terms of the animals that live there. So I've been doing that now for about 20 years. I worked uh, for state government. I worked for the federal government. I had uh, my own consulting firm for several years doing water quality. And I also had an equipment uh, technology startup company. So I've kind of been on the, uh, the research side of rivers from all different aspects for quite a few years now. The opportunity arose for me to come here to Stroud uh, to to help out, and it was just it was too good of an opportunity to pass up to uh, come to this world class organization and help the the research team and the programs at large really do what they're doing and uh, and and pitch in. I'm sure this is a long list, but from a personal perspective, who who would you say has been one of the biggest influences in your freshwater research? Uh, it, 
From an internal perspective, certainly Dr. Ruth Patrick was the scientist that founded this organization uh, scientifically and also was instrumental in North American research on rivers, what makes them healthy, what makes them impaired. And we've had a long legacy since. Uh, Dr. Byrne Sweeney was most recently uh, retired. He was our executive director for a number of years and did really continued that legacy of doing fundamental research to understand not just what happens in the stream, but the key was really following the water farther uphill, following where the water comes from. It comes through the riparian buffers that we all know about uh, that are so critical to streams, and even further uphill to the agricultural lands and urban areas that surround our streams that really provide uh, the, the water and all of the elements that move through our streams. So certainly we've had this, this long lineage of very influential and accomplished scientists uh, leading Stroud through the years. If, I, if you were to take this down to a nuts and bolts kind of thing, now we're talking about fly fishing groups across North America and, and the world. What would be one of the most basic things we can do as as fly fishermen uh, and women and conservationists to improve uh, any watershed? Well, we could take that from a, from a number of levels, um, all the way from the urban planning that goes on and involvement in the urban planning process, where there are opportunities for citizens to become involved in that process. It's critical that urban planning be considered water resources in how they're performed. Um, so involvement at that level is key. Uh, if folks are landowners or know people that are, there are certainly land management practices that can be improved in some cases, uh, whether it's cropland or whether it's uh, property. We can move then down towards the stream more and think about riparian corridors, riparian buffers, the land that, that uh Borders are streams and rivers. Uh, there are a lot of things that can be done there, most importantly, planting trees. So if it's bare land, it's more likely to introduce runoff and pollutants to the stream. We can plant trees on that land. Then we can talk about what happens in the stream itself. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, uh, fly fishermen and organizations can get involved in monitoring the water quality in their stream. That's one thing that we do quite a bit of here at Stroud is work with groups like Trout Unlimited, whether it's from an educational capacity or whether it's from a technical capacity of helping them instrument monitoring programs to evaluate the health of their stream. And hopefully in that evaluation and monitoring, we're seeing improvements to those other activities that I talked about, whether it's in the riparian uh, buffers along the rivers, or whether it's improving land management in general through a municipal planning process. What role with Stroud does networking with these organizations play? You, you just mentioned Trout Unlimited. There's a, uh, definitely a name that every uh, listener would probably know. Um, I would assume that's a really big part of research, networking with, with, with different organizations. Absolutely, Mark. That's, that's right. We, we do have a very rich collaboration with a number of groups, both regionally and nationally, that we work with. And those are partnerships that have evolved over time in some cases. 
uh, and are spreading, such as our involvement with Trout Unlimited groups that's spreading to the to the uh, Midwest of the U.S. and beyond. Uh, one of the initiatives that we're trying to to promote is, as I said, environmental monitoring. We have we have the capacity here to train people how to do that, and we're working with groups to try to um, to try to educate them on how to to implement research projects and collect data to address those problems. So your question was kind of this network of, of collaborators, and it just keeps growing over time as we found, find uh, other interested parties and programs and initiatives that align with ours, all in the interest of advancing and conserving water resources. I, it's funny. It, when I think of conservation organizations, sometimes the education part of it, I think, gets overlooked because, let's face it, the more people you have that understand the issues, and, you know, we're not sci- we're not all scientists, not like you guys are. So wh- when I hear you talk about it and the passion uh, it, that's clearly behind what you're doing, it's it's very motivating. That's great. That's great to hear, and that is exactly what the programs that come to Stroud, I think, come away with that enthusiasm and excitement about learning. Um, our one of the programs that we do in house with uh, students, and these are elementary school students or high school students that come here. And the first thing we do is we put boots on them, and we have them get out into the stream right outside our back door. We have them collecting invertebrates, identifying invertebrates understanding how different types of bugs in the stream reflect the water quality. And so that enthusiasm is really right off the bat. That's what we try to get out of those kids right away, and it works. Uh, Whether you're a student or whether we have adults here, I think when people get their hands on uh, out in the river, get their hands on a rock, turn it over, find out what's underneath, it's the same kind of excitement, I think, that that we all get from fresh weather, whether you're fly fishing or canoeing or whatever. It's that excitement of discovery, and that's what we really try to try to do here at Stroud is is find that discovery and excitement. That's really well put. And you know what? What I can really relate to what you're just saying there. Turning over rocks, seeing what's in the river. For me, when you take anything and you put it on a micro level that's when things get exciting because a lot of people just look past that stuff every day but the health of the river is right in front of your face isn't it yeah that's right that's right sometimes you need uh, specialized tools to drill down into the the stuff that you can't see that's important um and so we do that as well with students and we have them in front of microscopes and we have them learning about that microbial world uh, so, yeah, whether it's microbes or algae or mayflies, uh, we really expose our students that come here to all of that, and that, that's part of the excitement for sure. If somebody listening to the podcast today wants to get involved with Stroud as far as uh, donating time or funds, uh, what's the best way to go about, about doing that, Scott? Go to stroudcenter.org backslash donate. And you'll find a number of different ways, whether it's uh, volunteering for events or sponsoring events, uh, giving in any way. Um, you can find more in- information at stroudcenter.org backslash donate. Thanks, Dr. Scott Enzine. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
Absolutely, Mark. It was great to talk to you. That's Dr. Scott Ensign, Assistant Director, Research Scientist at Stroud Water Research Center out of Avondale, Pennsylvania. has been our guest today. I uh, encourage you to check out their website, and uh, I really hope we can have a uh, another conversation in the uh, not-too-distant future. Excellent. Looking forward to it, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.